You are now entering the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. Welcome to Wonderland, Alice. Welcome to episode two of Shock. What? Uh, October? October. October. That's like, what we're calling it. Tongue piercing. October. And I have the mathematative. <laughs> Thank you. Yes, well. I, I even typed it out phonetically. It's not October. <laughs> it's not October? I thought it was October. It's not October. What is it then? October. Uh, Welcome to episode two of October. <laughs> I'm Mike. I'm Patrick. I'm Joe Boo. <laughs> I'm Josh. And after watching all of these hours of The Hills Have Eyes, I, I was real confused because I didn't see a single mention of propane or propane accessories. <laughs> However, there was a bit of that boy ain't right. There's a lot of that boy ain't right in this. It was pretty much a, appropriate at all times. Yeah. So uh, this week's episode is The uh, the Hills Have Eyes. I, I tell you what, them dang old mutants, man. <laughs> It's from uh, 1977 to 2006. Yes. Jupiter. <laughs> now, when when was this released in terms of uh, Wes Craven's career? Uh, it was the second for feature film that he made. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. What was After the first one? The Sound of Last Music. House on the left. What was the first one? <laughs> Last House on the Left. Was oh, his- yeah film that's what i remember last week when i said he was more rapey than before he got stabby yeah because mm. i've heard from a couple different people that the last house on the left is the most disturbing horror movie they've ever seen yeah he did a movie called the fireworks woman but he did it under an assumed name and so i kind of think he probably wanted to forget about that can't see why yeah all right so uh welcome to the hills have i show like i said we are doing all of west craven's uh bunch of Wes Craven movies this month because... Uh, say not all of them. Not all of them. Not all of them. Because I don't want to watch Last House on though. Because even though there's a remake, I don't want to watch that. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, yeah, week two. And Josh. <laughs> all right. Thanks for, thanks for listening, everybody. Thank you very much. You know where you can hear other awkward pauses? <laughs> the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. I was just waiting for you guys to throw me something I could transition to. <laughs> it's like, okay, I guess I'm going with this. Okay, on the Musings of a Geek Podcast Network, not only will you find us, but you'll find such shows as The Lucky 10,000, Pittsburgh Nerd Pod, Salty Language, The War Pod, Red Horse Radio, and Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks. Very nice. And if you're looking to listen to our show on Saturdays when you're out... Uh, wandering through the outback and the hills being hunted down by mutants you can put us on and listen to us streaming on uh, geek life radio also your priorities are messed up (laughs) and you might want to have headphones on because the sound will give you away just saying true story but then you won't hear the mutants probably better that way they're too Mm. busy with the walkie-talkies 
All right. So if you're looking for some of our older shows, you can find us on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And uh, on uh, 40go14.com, our backlog is slowly filling up. We're back to the 40s now. Yeah, I'm like reaching back towards big old episode number 40, which uh, if you're newer to the show, once that goes up, that's that's a special one because yeah. it, uh, it's us. Yeah, it's all about how we met. So that's a kind of secrets and words being spoken that have never should have never been spoken again. It's a dangerous show. Ooh, danger. <laughs> I think we if, even summoned the name Uki at one point. Don't, that's twice now. Say it again. He's going to show up in bobblehead all over the place. <laughs> Oh, my Lord. And if you're uh, confused by all this and would like to tell us how confused you are, feel free to give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Also, you can send us an email at 40go14 at gmail.com, or you can always reach us on Twitter at 40go14. Yes. Hey, Josh, I hear we have voicemails. You're surprisingly well-informed. For once. He's not on Twitter. <laughs> uh, let's start with... <laughs> Yeah, let's start with this one. Hey, fuckers. <laughs> it's me, you fucking dickholes. It's Charlie. In case you've been wondering he is alive. where I've been, he suggested that I could be nicer to you guys. So I decided, you know what, I probably can. And you remember what your mother always said about saying something nice? Aww. If you don't have anything nice to say, you don't say anything at all. So I've decided that it's no fun for me to be nice to you guys, and I'm calling back. Uh, you're talking about pinball machines. Uh, there used to be a gas station around the corner from me. There's an old 76 station. And uh, I don't ever remember them selling much of anything, but they had a line of pinball machines and video games where we would always go. And I never realized it until many years later. But this guy probably had a quarter million dollars worth of old, antique, collectible pinball machines sitting there that I'd play. Like the original 76 game, the original uh, Kiss pinball game, and a, a bunch of other ones. And I remember playing them uh, several times. And I also remember uh, at one point, one of my friends broke the glass on the 76 table because he put a uh, glass book bottle down onto it. It was too hard. And uh, and he broke the uh, glass on the, the pinball machine, and we got thrown out. I don't ever know what happened to those pinball machines, but I know that the 76 station has since been an ice cream shop, a dance studio, a karate dojo, an auto repair shop, a crack house, and I believe someone's living in it right now. All at the same time. Anyway, <laughs> I'm done being nice. Adequate. I have to say, my mom has <clears throat> never said, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything at all. No, that's very true. I know your mother very well. <laughs> she usually said things like, hurt them with words. <laughs> she once called me a pussy to my face. I remember that. So, Whoa. Well, yeah, I kind of deserved it, but still. <laughs> She's like a second mother to me. She can call me whatever she wants. It's called me a hell of a lot worse. <laughs> to my face. All right, uh, anyway. we got one more here. We actually have two more in the queue, but uh, they're both longish ones, so I think I'm going to play one this week, and I'm going to save one for the next episode. All right. Hey, guys, Justin from Portland here. I'm currently listening to uh, episode 107, I believe it is, the video arcade one, and um, just loving the little nostalgia bath we're going through here about the uh, hanging out in the arcades and whatnot. Uh, spent a lot of time in those myself. Uh, recently here in Portland, well, over the last, like, four years, uh, in Portland we've had a resurgence of these types of arcades. We've got one downtown that is a, um, I think what you guys labeled a barcade, where you can get beer, food, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, go play some a lot of these old-school arcade games, and they 
actually refurbish them and keep them uh, fixed up in-house there, so that's pretty cool. But currently, my favorite one is a place called John's Incredible Pizza, and um, basically, my wife and I, we have labeled it Vegas for kids, because it's this amazing place where you go in there, you pay for a lunch buffet or a dinner buffet, um, get yourself some game tokens or card, well, cards now, etc., and uh, you basically let the kids go play. They've got a mixture of both the ticket games as well as your standard arcade fare, but they have actually, as surprising as it may sound, amazing food, um, and they also offer beer and wine for parents who just want to escape while their kids are running around like, you know, crazy shit. Um, so... We go there, try to go there like once every couple months, take the kids in, let them just play games and have a good time and stuff full of, uh, you know, pizza and other great buffet food. And then it's, it's a good family experience. So, yeah, I know that probably doesn't help you guys out living in the Midwest where you're at, but it's just some place that I find really cool and wanted to share it with you, I think, or something. So, anyways, uh, still loving the show. Always love the show. It's good. You guys make me laugh on a regular basis, and I appreciate that. Um, you help. You're, you're one of the shows that help fill the long drives in the car I have while I'm at work and doing my job and those kinds of things. So just want to say thank you and uh, we'll talk to you later. Bye. I just imagine like a family there and they're like, kids, go have some pizza. And then the kids come back in a half hour and they're like, kids, we can't go home. We lost the house. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. Hmm. You drink wine differently than I do, Joel. Well, he said it was like Vegas for, for the kids. So they have like gambling or something. And so no, I think he just meant in, in the sense of the sensory overwhelming. Oh, yeah. I revoke my joke. <laughs> you should remember how to do that. <laughs> yeah, the kids aren't betting their stuffed animals and stuff on blackjack and things like that. That's not what he means. Maybe they're betting the kids. I'm going to double down. No, not your other tigger. <laughs> uh, oh, bother. <laughs> so uh, we actually have an email this week. Awesome. From awesome listener uh, Joe Abarino, who has uh, jumped hey, in. Joe. Hello, Joe. Hi, Joe. Uh, if you guys do not know, Joe is the guy who ran our uh, Pathfinder game for the D&D show. Yeah, he's also the graphic designer for a lot of the stuff you'll see associated with the show. Yeah, our logo. And, and, uh, and my truck. Yeah, and his truck. So if you're... And he's got a beard. Yeah, he's got a wonderful beard. And uh, I like to touch it. Um, <laughs> he suggests that uh, for the then, we watch The Faculty. And then for the now, Cooties, which I have not heard of. Uh, but I just both watched it. have Elijah Wood. I just watched it for uh, the Creepercast. It'll be a review coming soon. It's, uh, I don't even know if it's out available to rent at this point. But yeah, Rain Wilson and uh, John, Jack McBrayer. Um, it's got a lot of people in it. It's really, really funny. Is the faculty the one um, where the kids, like, they get possessed and kind of they're taken over? Yeah, and they're snorting the stuff out of the pens. The teachers get our aliens, basically. It's a, it's a Kevin Williamson. The one, the one kid, like, smashes his face into the mirror or something like that at one point? No. This is where the teachers take over and the kids fight back because the teachers are... Yeah, I don't think I've seen <clears> this. Are aliens. No, they're like aliens. It's a Kevin okay. Williamson movie, the guy that did Scream. Okay. Yeah, keep the suggestions rolling because I know that uh, every year we plan on doing this with horror films. Someone suggest the prisoner. We told you we're going to do it. We're going to have one week we'll do the prisoner and Schwarzenegger at the same time. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'll get to do the Dallas show. (laughs) That's landing. All right. Hey, Josh. Is it about that time? It is totally about that time. Sports. What? 
because I don't have to do it. What was that? What was that? Yeah. I said, that's easier. Because <laughs> it, it says it for me. Sounded like Elmo like being a... kidnapped. <laughs> <laughs> looks like we're doing something a little different this week. What? This week in 2006? What madness is this? What? <laughs> I decided it was far enough back we could do it. Yeah. All right. 2006, the year acronym of the week. No, I guess that no, is the, house, the Hills Have no. Eyes. Okay. T H H E. You throw me there. You got me with NFL the other day, too. So, <laughs> uh, Music. The number one song is Sexy Back by Justin Timberlake. Yep. I think we've talked about this song before, and I still like it. Have oh, we? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. On the boy band show. Yeah. And we talked, no, we t- I think we talked about it also on the uh, Saturday Night Live show. Yeah. We may have even talked about it on one of the uh, uh, top 10, like the billboard. Oh, yeah. I think this just means we need to have a Justin Timberlake show. I think it's and a I good think idea. we talked about it on the True Grit show. Yeah. <laughs> it's all sexy back all the time here on 40 Going on 14. <laughs> 45 minutes our, of us humming sexy back. It's our theme song. <laughs> Is that before or after the Bridge Over the River Kwai episode? <laughs> So, uh, also in 2006, the liquidation of the bankrupt music store chain Tower Records begins on October 7th. The last store closes its doors permanently on December 22nd. Wow. That was pretty significant. That is pretty significant, because I can't remember the last time I bought a CD that wasn't from Val's. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, when it happened, I was like, and nothing of value was lost. Yeah. (laughs) It was just one of those things that kind of got left behind by time, like travel agents. Speaking of which, if you're in Oak Park, head over to Harrison Street to Val's Hollow Records. Tell them 40 going on 14 sent you. Yeah, and Val will look at you and go, what? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Although you know, I do love that uh, Tower Records was sort of lampooned and was uh, indirectly responsible for the masterwork that was Empire Records. Oh, yeah. Because there's like a Tower Records-ish <laughs> conglomerate coming in to buy them up. Yeah. Yep. That, oh, man, we got to find a crossover for that one. Ooh. I love them. That's a great movie. Oh, yes, and if you also go to Val's Hall, go there and tell her that you're looking for some classical music that was played in a car commercial. <laughs> or a song that has love in it. Yeah. And then and then enjoy the experience as she slaps you around. Um, it was written but, by that guy. Yes. Your from, only defense is to ask questions about the Beatles. <laughs> I think he's from Europe. No. <laughs> so, But also, after 25 years as an artist, Weird Al Yankovic gets his first top 10 hit when White and Nerdy hits number nine on October 11th. That surprises me that it took that long. Yeah, it, I, I would have thought that Eat It made the top 10 at some point. <clears throat> no, you know what I think it is? I think it's the fact that he was around making fun of the music when we were kids. Now we've reached a point, I think it's like that rollover time. You know, it just took that the generation that... Get, I guess votes like I don't even know I just think there were more of us listening to it at that point pushing it on our and kids it, we are, we also have more disposable money yeah well, that too so you're saying so when we when it when he was popular at the peak of his popularity we were kids and then when he came kind of released something new we were adults so we could push it out into the billboard charts versus just being something we liked and yeah yeah that's exactly what I was attempting to say coherently yeah and I don't know that the Dr. Demento <clears throat> days are, are accurately the peak of his popularity because this last album was huge yeah. oh yeah he got a grammy for it it wasn't and the it, sales wasn't numbers were just ridiculous for a parody album wasn't his wasn't it was it album of the year didn't it get some i mean i think he won some like ridiculously unexpected award for it in the grammys he won an emmy that too <laughs> that's what i saying that's Nobody why i was expected on, that yeah no one expected him to win a grammy <laughs> he won an emmy at the grammys <laughs> <laughs> oh i can't believe it thank you so much they, parod- they parodied the o- their own award show. Exactly. That's how good it was. <clears throat> the album was mandatory fun, the, the new one. Yeah. 
And now that he's out of his contract, he can release them as the as he uh, he writes them, which is very cool. Ah, uh, best comedy album. That's what he got. Oh, okay. Yeah, that I think, was unexpected. Yeah. <laughs> All that's there for it. I think I think he's actually going to be. I mean, when we said the the height of his popularity, I think he's got a lot more coming out now because now that he's out of that stupidly long contract that it was with RCA. I think so. Yeah, that yeah. sounds right. Whoever you know, whoever he was with, I think now because what he can do is like a, a song hits the top of the charts, he can write a parody of it and get it out like within a time where you still remember the, what the popular song was, sure. like with um, like word crimes. That was one of yeah, the first. Yeah, that was one. pretty. That was awesome. He had that thing out like two weeks after that hit number one. Yeah. So now he's kind of like you know nothing holding him back, and now we have our kids who we've told about Weird Al and explained to him how awesome he is, and now they're listening to him and expecting their songs that they listen to to get parodied by parodied by him also. Yep. I knew we were gonna get lost in Weird Al. <laughs> oh yeah, how can you not? All right. <clears throat> A little trivia. Uh-huh. It uh, was a question in Instant Game Show. White and nerdy. Oh, oh yeah. Movies. Top movie of the week is The Departed. Love it. Haven't seen it. Remake. I think we have praised this movie also several times. That was a remake. We could do that show, Infernal Affairs and The The Departed. Hmm. Yeah, but we did uh, The Departed for Scorsese. Well, some of you guys did. Not all of. I mean, we didn't completely go into detail on it. It was we just ran over it like everything else. Yeah, it was a good enough movie that I think it could be visited again. So, but uh, that week was released was The Departed. Employee of the Month, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Beginning, Man of the Year, The Marine, and Strawberry Shortcake, Sweet Dreams Movie. Aww. A close number two at the box office. Yeah. <laughs> it actually made zero dollars according to the website that I was on. <laughs> was it? A, I don't even like know a, how that's possible. How could you make a movie that makes zero dollars? Was it like a video, like a video on demand or something? No, I think I it, oh, was, yeah, it was maybe never. I don't know. Maybe they released it and nobody played it. <laughs> <laughs> they keep sending us this goddamn strawberry shortcake movie. <laughs> All right, so uh, Jerry Belson was a writer, director, and producer of Hollywood films for over 40 years. His writing credits include Always, which I loved. That was a good movie. And Close Encounters of the Third Kind, several episodes of The Dick Van Dyke Show, and uh-oh, are you serious? Yes. Is this the acronym of the week? Yes. GPUSMC. Of course, that's Grape Porcupine, <clears throat> Unusual Spiky Mouse Commando. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was a close cousin of grape ape but they didn't really understand what a porcupine was i would so I totally watch that i love it <laughs> I, I, I had a feeling that was gonna be a good one <laughs> and i realized i forgot to open the show notes before the show so i had to do that during the voicemails nice <laughs> so um that well obviously is gomer pile usmc yes and uh, he also wrote for Gold Key Comics and helped produce the Drew Carey Show, the Norm Show, and the Tracy Ullman Show. And then he died on October 10th. Boy, so many things that we have done or will do or yeah, to do. Yeah, that's why I included such a <laughs> – even though that was a long paragraph, I mean, I figure this guy's kind of influential to us. Even yeah. though we never like heard. I, yeah, I couldn't have picked his name out of – A hat. Yeah, I so guess I, I could have. <laughs> Maybe if it was written in the hat, you'd be like, hey, nice hat. Right. Who's Jerry Belson? <laughs> figure, figure we'd give him a little little shout out. Yep. He, he deserves it. Yes, he does. Yeah. Uh, TV, the top show of the week is Grey's Anatomy, Desperate Housewives, CSI, and Lost. And out of those shows, I think two are still on the air. <clears throat> well, Grey's Anatomy is about to go away. But it's still on the air. Yeah. I have never seen an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Me either. I think I watched the first two seasons. It's all right. 
It's yeah. it's a hospital show. Yeah, I've yeah. seen a little bit of Desperate Housewives here and there because my father watched it. <laughs> yeah, I gave him so much shit about that. Oh, but he loved that show. He's like Terry Hatcher. <laughs> <laughs> uh, October eleventh, Thirty Rock, starting starring Tina Fey, Alec Baldwin, Tracy Morgan debuts on NBC and crushes Matthew Perry's. Studio 60 on Sunset Strip, which I didn't know existed up until this point. <laughs> yeah, they were both pretty much the same concept of, like, let's show a behind-the-scenes of a variety show. Mm. And, yeah, well, which, 30 Rock just monster killed them. Studio 60 got a lot of good press and still is considered kind of a cult classic. But, yeah, 30 Rock, which I'm not a fan of a lot of the things involved with that show. But I've seen four or five episodes because a friend of mine at work, I went over to his place and we, we watched it one night. Really, really funny. Oh, I, yeah. I'm a big fan. I've watched it front to back a couple times. Streaming on Netflix if anybody's interested. Yeah, I haven't seen every episode, but you've got uh, Tina Fey, who, like, she's a funny lady in general, but as a writer, she's a genius. Yeah. And uh, Alec Baldwin and Tracy Morgan, especially when they're in scenes together, just kill. Oh, they're so good together. Like, the, the one scene when Alec Baldwin impersonates his mother and father during the oh, therapy. <laughs> just, yes. It, <laughs> that so is the funny. scene I use to get people into 30 Rock. Yeah. <laughs> Alec Baldwin was so great. is just, you know, lampooning the right wing by pretending to be one of them, like a Colbert kind of thing. <laughs> and and don't forget Jack McBrayer again. Sure. He was great as the page Kenneth. The one scene where he's, he's like, oh, I don't vote. Voting is a sin. I always just write Jesus in. <laughs> and, Alec Baldwin, and he's like, we count that. That's Republican. <laughs> I have not seen any 30 Rock. Oh, oh that's great. You should. Funny. And I even for me to say that, based on who's in it, yeah, it goes yeah. a long way. And uh, two days later on October 13th, One Versus 100 premiered. The game that show. Was, that was a good show. I wanted to. I actually wanted to be a contestant on that show. You know what? They had a one versus one hundred uh, game on Xbox, mm-hmm. and you could actually jump in and be one of the one hundred. It was actually a real. It was actually. Remember, it was a lot of fun playing it. I remember when Ken Jennings was one of the one hundred. That was funny. He actually got eliminated on like the second question. That's awesome. <laughs> For those that don't know, Ken Jennings is like a powerhouse on Jeopardy. Yeah. All right. Now on sports, October 8th at the MLB National League Championship, the largest baseball crowd in Pennsylvania sports history, almost 65,000 fans see the Los Angeles Dodgers beat the Philadelphia Phillies four to win one to win the NL National League pennant three games to one. And 65,000 people all went, aww. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So, which kind of, kind of makes me think about what's going on in Chicago right now. What is going I heard on? about at work today. Yeah, last I saw they were going <clears throat> on. How it? How's it going? It's going well. Oh, okay. yeah, they won the wild card game. Yeah, but oh, be- oh, they're not playing tonight. Oh, that's right, the Astros are playing tonight. That's who's playing yeah. tonight. But uh, I Astro. I get to hear all about the Cubs and the Astros on Facebook because all my friends are from Chicago or Houston. <laughs> yeah, but being a Cubs fan is like honestly, it's like breaking up with your ex or getting together with your ex girlfriend every summer. <laughs> it's like yeah. It's not going to work. It's we both know this is going nowhere. Yeah, it's going to be disappointing. Let's just do it again. There's nobody else. And then you get all excited about like this time. You're like, oh, my God, this is actually, might actually work. No, you're going to break but up But at least again. we got snacks. That's right. <laughs> uh, also, Corey Little? Lytle? I think Little. Little? A pitcher for the New York Yankees. Little. Little. <laughs> New York Yankees was killed. Oh, double death. When the plane he was flying crashed into a condo on New York's Upper East Side on October 9th. I remember that. 
It was only four stories tall. Well, at first, everybody was freaking right. out. We're like, oh, no, more planes hitting buildings. And then quickly, everybody like, was on the news like, nope, not terrorists, not terrorists. Calm down, everyone. It's just a baseball player who... Yep, just uh, a Yankee. All right. So, is it about that time? No, it was just that time. <laughs> the end of time. <laughs> that, is, that time is over. That time has passed. When will it come? come when will we be back? <laughs> We're in now now, Mike. Ah, yeah. when will now be then? <laughs> You're mixing your metaphors. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> let's go back to 1977. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> 1977, Conan? What a doe-eyed West Craven had a dream. Contacted. If, if we're going back to 1977, I'm going to have to mostly make gurgling noises. <laughs> We've been there with you before. <laughs> have you been eating an apple? No, in 1977, I was one. <laughs> the sound of Josh choking on an apple. <laughs> you shouldn't give apples to a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so The Hills Have Eyes, 1977, directed by Wes Craven, produced by Peter Locke, also written by Wes Craven. Uh, on their way to California, a family has a misfortune to have their car break down in an area closed to the public and inhabited by violent savages ready to attack. Uh, this started Martin Spear, Virginia Vincent, D. Wallace, Susan Lanier, Robert Houston, Lance Gordon, and Russ Grieve. That cast list makes me sad because it's missing the only person in the cast I actually care about. Oh, I know. Yeah, Michael Berryman. Barrymore. Barrymore or Berryman? Mustache Ross. Berryman here. Oh, yes. And who? Mustache Ross. That's a Martin Spear played Doug Wood, who was uh, definitely rocking the Ross from the one with the prom video look. (laughs) Yeah, I pulled that off Wikipedia for the list. I should have pulled it off of IMDb. But, uh, yeah, so uh, California Dreamin' from, uh, where are they going from? Cleveland? Uh, Not Ohio. Um, He might have said Cleveland. What? Where was the father a cop? I thought it was Cleveland. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'll, because so he was because he yeah. was talking about the Negroes shooting arrows at him. Did I hear that correctly? No, yeah. arrows. Yeah, I thought he said. Yeah, he said arrows. Yeah, did he? that that stuck out in my mind too. I was like, what it did he say? Seventies. Arrows. Yeah, but they had guns then. They didn't just have arrows. <laughs> yeah, and I'm pretty sure we're the not ne- taking exception exception to the Negro part. We're taking exception to the arrow part. Yeah, it was Ohio, dude. It was a different time. Right. It was like the last state. In the <laughs> All the gangsters running around with quivers on their backs. <laughs> uh, and the Mexicans throwing things at him off, off of buildings, too. Yeah. There's unusual writing in this movie. Um, according to Wes Craven, he had the idea of actually killing the baby. And the rest of the crew went, wait a second. <laughs> He's like, you know, that's supposed to be a prop, right? Yeah. You know, you know that line? That's the line. You cross that line, we're leaving. <laughs> You can have the mutants rape all you want, but don't kill the baby. Yes. These weren't mutants in this one. No, these well, were... Well, they were, were mutant-ish. Feral. They're tough guys. They're a little inbred. Yeah, inbred yeah. ferals. Um, and not I'm to be not- racist to any inbred ferals in the audience right now. <laughs> it's like a quarter of our demographic. I know. I don't... <laughs> so the, uh, apparently the dead dog used as a stand-in for the family slaughtered uh, beauty was a lot uh, widely believed to be a dummy dog. In fact, it was actually a dead dog. 
that they got. I thought from the that was a really, yeah, I thought that was a really good effect when I was watching the movie. Yeah, I'm, that's exactly what I thought too. I'm like, that was actually a lot better than the effect in the new one. Yeah, me too. I thought that same thing. Yeah, makes like, sense now. Well, damn, if you're gonna use a dead dog, well, they got the they bought it from the county sheriff's department, which I didn't realize that that was like a do- dead dog outlet. <laughs> Come down, dead dog outlet. <laughs> I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go see what's for sale in my sheriff's office. We got big dogs. We got little dogs. You want bed dogs? We got your dead dogs. <laughs> Just walk into the sheriff's office. Got anything dead? <laughs> I'd like I'll to buy, buy it. <laughs> I'd like to buy something dead. I'm making a movie. <laughs> Head down to Dead Dog Outlet. Sure. Just go down in that alley right there, and we'll then go talk about it. Um, so right under the overpass on Route 68. In, uh, and, uh, with uh, Susie Lanier Bramlett, uh, said her agent was strongly opposed to her taking a role in the film, fearing that it could ruin her career. However, she was a fan of the horror genre and liked Wes Craven so much that she went ahead and took the role of Brenda Carter anyway. And you can tell it had absolutely no effect on her career whatsoever. <laughs> as uh, she's Based done on her s- booming career after this movie. Yes, and doing such things as the kids from Caper. Uh, no, that's before this. I'm sorry, this is before her career blew up after The Hills Have Eyes, where she did something called Siznik. <laughs> then she did Madam X and a TV movie called The Night the Bridge Fell Down. And the sequel, Sysnik 2. So obviously the agent was correct. Yeah. Dead Dog Store. But she's been doing something. She has been keeping busy as of 2014. She did a movie I haven't heard of called Cut. Uh, Another movie I haven't heard of in 2015 called No Solicitors. Cut. Another movie in 2015 called Area 51 where she plays Jennifer's mom. And I have not heard of it. It's streaming on Netflix. So At least she's still working. Yes. She's doing something, which is good. So... The film opens with this gas station in the middle of nowhere, and the proprietor is trying to leave town, and he's caught leaving town by one of the hill people, the relatively normal Ruby, who uh, wants him to take her with him. And uh, their whole discussion about whether or not either of them can get out alive because someone won't let them leave is interrupted by incredibly strange American family. Right. What a dynamic. And those shorts. Oh, my God. <laughs> and the yeah, mustache. The yeah, you've got vaguely racist mustache cop. I have to say, though, that Sonny Bono can kick ass when he needs to. <laughs> <laughs> then you've got Bible thumping mom. Yep. And then you have uh, uh, what, gymnast son. Yeah, well, Ken and Barbie. Yeah, Ken and Barbie. Well, Ken and Barbie. Then we've got Ross, as we've discussed, Ross from uh, the one with the prom video. Yep. Sonny Bono to you older folk. And the wife with the baby. <clears throat> yep. And two dogs. The dogs had cool names. Beauty and Beast. Yeah. Yep. They both look the same. Well, they're German Shepherds. Right. They all kind of look alike. It's not like one was ugly and one was cute. Yeah. Um, I'm going to go ahead and say I didn't like anybody in that family. <laughs> <laughs> at first, at first, the, I thought kind of sad for the mom. I was like, oh, you know, the mom's kind of hooked up with all these jackasses running around Dad's got to go check out a silver mine, which was apparently left to them in a in a will. Oh yeah, it was their fiftieth anniversary, the silver anniversary, and someone thought it would be cool to give them a silver mine, kind <laughs> of appropriate. But they didn't do any research on it that it was like in cannibal country mm. and apparently dried up. Yeah, yeah, that's probably throwing your money at a star registry too and gotten that. Um, but yeah. Lynn, the mother of the baby, was about the only sympathetic character. Like that couple was sort of nothing. Like they weren't particularly well developed, but they weren't annoying. Yeah, yeah, the they were like definitely an asshole. Yeah, yeah. 
Big Bob. Yeah. Don't be afraid. Don't worry about what the snakes are going to do to Big Bob. What's Big Bob going to do to the snakes? That made no sense. <laughs> I didn't make that up either. That's actually a line in the movie. <laughs> I felt the snake bites him. He's just going to bite it back. Yeah, I I felt sympathetic to the mom for a bit, but then they started talking about how a uh, beast ate someone's poodle. And she's like, oh, your father was so upset to have to pay for that dead poodle. Yeah, that's yeah, <laughs> just no big deal. Just another dead poodle. Yeah. They sold it to the dead dog store. <laughs> All right. So they, uh, they're at the gas station. And gas station man's telling them, you don't want to go down that road. Why would you take your family there? Okay. I don't care what vacation you're on. If the old man at the gas station says that to you, go home. Yep. <laughs> Take mass. another route to California. Yeah. Ain't no reason to be there. Why would it's like, you? <laughs> it's like when your house tells you, get out. You're like, okay, I'm out of here. Bye. Gotta go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounded, that must have been the wind. <laughs> it's like, that crazy well, old coot, he's only been living out in the desert his entire life. How would he know what's over that hill? <laughs> Big Bob's rationale for continuing on is that he believes that the old coot's been stealing silver out of their mine for years and wants to scare them away from it. Yeah, because he looks like he's been stealing silver. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That guy's living the high life with his silver stealing. Yeah. Hanging out in the out porta potty, you know. Yep. So now they're driving, and uh, Dad's reaction to jets flying overhead is to floor it on a dirt road pulling a huge trailer. Yeah, everybody promptly loses their shit, throwing maps in the air. <laughs> it's that. I mean, that was. We don't know where we're going. Oh no, jets! Quick, put the map in Dad's face. He's driving. You know, and then they dodge the rabbit. Yeah, ultimately, what gets him is a damn rabbit. If they had flattened the I rabbit, they run the rabbit over personally, or the rabbit. duck, whatever. You know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The rabbit was at least as developed as any of the other characters in the family, <laughs> so you had to be concerned about its survival. I bet the rabbit was one of the ferals too. That's th- I, there you go. The rabbit was in charge. He goes out, stands in the road, waits for them to dodge, and then they take over. The rabbit was on the take. The rabbit is the mastermind. <laughs> so they went. Saw the rabbit with a walkie-talkie. <laughs> it's, he's got he's got the, the rabbit ears. <laughs> That's how he keeps uh, his hey. <laughs> That's much better than what I was going to say. So, I'll shut up. <laughs> so, wow. But so they dodge the rabbit, crash into a bush, and break their axle uh, on that station wagon that they're driving in. And He's not able to perform Paradise City that night, dude. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, one thing I have to say: 1977 had much better trigger discipline than uh, 2006. Trigger discipline? What do you mean? Well, in the in this one. Bobby gets the gun. They only have the two. Uh, he gets the hand cannon with the red, white, and blue grip that his guys at the uh, station gave him for retirement. And they, but in the in the new one, Bobby's like running around pointing at everybody. Yeah, he's like, yeah, "Oh boy, gun! Pew pew! Look at me!" <laughs> yeah, and and that's a sign of a, of an asshole who doesn't reprimand him for doing that. Yeah, he had gun training. He was he was skilled. Never Actual. point a gun at somebody without the intent to shoot them. And that's the point. Is and he's from Texas. They seem to be better uh, disciplined on gun safety. Yeah, right. right. That's true. So uh, they're out there. They said, let's walk back to uh, the gas well, they station. They split up. Yeah. Well, I mean, no, but that, honestly, that was a pretty smart idea. Yeah. They don't know what's in front of them. They're hoping that something better than a one-man gas station is in front of them. So they go in two different directions to find the best source of help. Yeah. That actually was probably the smartest thing in the entire movie. You keep going that way. I'll keep going that way. Reach, what did they say, four miles out, turn around, come back. So 
Uh, so Pops runs back to the gas station just in time to catch uh, Billy Billy Bob uh, hanging himself on with the uh, with his belt. Yeah, because at this point he hears movement out there and he assumes that the hill folk have uh, figured out that he was trying to run off and are going to kill him for it. Mm-hmm. And he does not want them to take him. He's he was going to argue. He was going to argue in in OFT. <laughs> So they have a nice little discussion, which, again, kind of concerning because the conversation goes, oh, you took your family out there. I think if I was Billy Bob, I'd be like, there are people that are going to eat your family. You should go back right now, not let's have a long discussion about what happened. They stuck around too long. Yeah, this was a a kind of a disappointing scene for me because the rest of the movie, I actually appreciated that there was a lot of show don't tell. But this was just an exposition dump. It's like we're going to tell you the entire backstory of the bad guys. Well, they they kind of did that in the new one too with uh, Ducky McBladderhead. Well, we'll 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 get to that. Yeah, but um, so there's a lot of exposition, and once the expo- exposition is done, which gives you the hint, if you do know what's going on, save a little bit, and then you won't die immediately. Because as soon as all the exposition is done, uh, who is who was that? Was that the dad? Yes. I think it was, yeah. Yeah, yeah that goes back to the gas station. Yeah, Jupiter. Big, Jupiter, yeah. Busts through a window and grabs Billy Bob and strangles him in the outhouse? Well, he beats him to death, half to death with a tire iron and then uh, pins him to the outhouse door. Yeah. And we find out that basically Jupiter was a son that he had, was like his second kid, uh, killed his wife in childbirth and then murdered his sister and uh, the old man beat him uh, about the head and face and then left him for dead in the desert, thinking well, the desert would finish him off. He took an axe to his face and permanently scarred him. Yeah. But the description of him, he's like, he described him basically like a giant, like, man beast because he was covered in hair and was like, like a werewolf. Than he was. And yeah, just, yeah. He created a very frightening image before he even saw the character. So you're already kind of afraid of what was coming. And up to this point, you've kind of, you've seen Ruby completely, and you've kind of seen Mercury dashing around in the shadows. Everyone seems confused. Mercury was their spotter who kind of had like Native American headdress. Yeah, he was the actually the effects guy, wasn't he? Yeah, or I think he might have been a producer. Yeah, he was actually part of the crew. Um, and again, it's another one of those things where if you think you saw something, say something. Say yeah. I didn't say anything about the dog getting gutted because I didn't want to frighten everybody. But maybe everybody needs to be frightened. Yes. <laughs> maybe we shouldn't be having a picnic. Honey, I want some Chinese food. Head down to the dead dog store and pick up a Pekingese. <laughs> I can almost see that from Bobby's perspective because a couple times he tries to tell uh, the other guys in the party about what's going on. He doesn't want to have to deal with his mom or sisters like freaking out and crying. Mm-hmm. And every time he's about to tell one of the other guys in this other time, sexist 1970s, he's interrupted by circumstance. Yeah. Cause you can't say it in front of the delicate ladies. Right. You ladies, you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think also mom was holding on to the barest uh, string of sanity as it was. <laughs> that's all i got about that i don't know what else you're expecting me to say about that there's like this pause i'm like is somebody gonna say something it's pregnant so big big bob gets jumped after uh his heart condition which was mentioned gets the better of him he's trying to run back to his family and he falls on the road and is captured and he acts like a cop when this all goes down 
You know, when mm-hmm. he's when he's in the gas station and Billy Bob makes a noise in the room, he's down, got his gun drawn, pointing. You know, he's not again. I hate to make jump jump ahead, but versus the reaction of other dad, which is a kill must kill the darkness. You know, I think I think they're the at least that portion of that of the characters, while they weren't like fully developed, was at least made sense. But modern dad puts a lotion <laughs> in the basket. <laughs> <clears throat> Going on. So meanwhile, back at the uh, RV, that the broken axle. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they have a picnic. <laughs> yeah, they. Well, they also, are. the dogs run off, and Bobby immediately takes the only gun and rushes off after them. And uh, he discovers the corpse of Beauty uh, having been skinned by somebody, and promptly freaks out, runs down the hill, and knocks himself out. Which is entirely bad form for a gymnast. Kerchunk. I was expecting him to like spring. <laughs> But the picnic continues nonetheless. Yes. Right. Uh, eventually, uh, he, he makes it back with his face all messed up. Uh, doesn't tell any of the ladies what's going on, as we've discussed. And uh, then Ross, uh, with a porn stash, comes back with all this weird stuff. And he reveals, hey, there's just a junkyard at the end of the road. I found uh, a Goodwill. Yeah. And I got all this neat stuff that we can sell. <laughs> Let's set up a garage sale right here. It's like, this, you are not being helpful. <laughs> this is I why you're it. the worst character on Friends, Ross. <laughs> yeah, um, how far, I mean, what did he, he came back with like a uh, huge spool, spool of cable. wire. <laughs> right, he's like, he's An like, antenna. it's like a yard sale out there. Hey, look at all these <laughs> hubcaps I got. Yeah, and a fishing pole. Yeah. I carried back a bunch of scrap metal. So he comes back. He's all happy about that. Then they try to, once again, Bobby tries to tell him something's going on, but he's much too busy shagging in the wagon. Yep. And uh, they basically say, all right, look, if your dad's not back by 11 o'clock, then we'll both go look for him. Dad does get back by 11 (laughs) o'clock. Yeah, kind of. Because Bobby, when he goes out, when the time runs up, goes out to spy on his sister and her husband doing it in the wagon, uh, unbeknownst to them, the hill people just invade the trailer and uh, then lock lock it behind them while they're distracted. Yep. Uh, They immediately they do what they do what any hill person would do, and they eat the parrot. (laughs) Eat the parrot, or something. Eat everything. uh, A more implied than shown uh, assault on uh, I forget her name. I keep calling her Barbie. Brenda. Brenda. Yes, but they were out there. They were out running around because Dad was on fire. Well, that's the thing. Is uh, at first, Michael Berryman's character Jupiter uh, has. Brenda, and he, he fears that her screams are going to bring the rest of them back to the trailer and alert. So, yeah, he calls on the radio and says, light it. And they've got dad. Big Bob is all crucified and set up with gasoline, and they explode the tree around him, setting him on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He burns, all, burns, burning alive. So while he's burning, mom flips her shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you can see at this point that the Hill people are, are growing very quickly to become more interesting characters than the family. Because despite the fact that these are out of nowhere, like obviously out of their element people who they have the element of surprise on, they're taking zero chances. They're making sure to separate anybody with weapons, distract, steal what they can. Yeah, they're actually really efficient. The well, I think it's implied that they've been doing it for a very long time. I mean, as right. long as Jupiter's been alive, at least. 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, Jupiter is uh, specially menacing. Uh, You've got Michael Berryman, who's been in a bunch of stuff. He suffers from a condition where uh, he uh, was born without fingernails. Uh, He had to have teeth implanted because uh, he didn't grow teeth normally. Uh, He's got the misshapen head and the bug eyes. He also had no sweat glands, which made filming this movie in the desert like torture. Really? And he can't grow hair, so he has no hair on his body. Yeah, Yeah, no hair and basically anything with keratin or uh, hair, fingernails, all that. That stuff won't grow as part of his condition. And yeah, he was born without sweat glands. Huh. So I did not know that. That sucks. He pants a lot. No, that was the dog. He was also the uh, the security guard from Smoking in the Boys Room video, wasn't he? He's been in He's... so much. He was in a Weird Science, Devil's Weird Science, Rejects. But I know what I'm always going to think of him from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Yeah. He was uh, Halloween in, remake. He was in both uh, Star Trek Four and an episode of Star Trek Next Gen. Nice. He, he was on the X Files, wasn't he? Yep. Mm-hmm. In the eighties, he was in his heyday. Man, he was he was really like everywhere in the eighties, and then carried over into the nineties. And now you see him; he's still working consistently. But yeah, he's he's one of those character actors that if you need a really specialized part in your movie, you call Michael Berryman. And yep. apparently, he's a really nice dude too, from what yep. I hear. Yeah, a passionate conservationist lived on like a wolf conservation retreat for years, like among the wolves. Damn, really? And has been picketing the dead dog store for about 20 years now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's got a bunch of films coming out both this year or they're in production this year and things are coming out next year. Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, speaking of which, now I gotta go back and check because I'm, I just referenced that he was in a movie that I don't think he was in. Which one? Uh, I, I said Halloween and no, he wasn't in Halloween. He, you mm-hmm. were right about, uh, um, Devil's Rejects because he was talking about the, the chicken fucker. Mm-hmm. That was a great scene. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> I had to clarify. All right. So yeah, they're, um, mom flips her shit. They steal the baby, eat the parrot. Well, they don't quite make it out with the baby yet, because this is where it all goes to shit. Because mom won't admit that dad is dead, so they take her back to the trailer while son, does his son-in-law stays, and son stay up there to kind of tend to him while he's slowly dying? Well, yeah, because son-in-law rushes in with a fire extinguisher to put Big Bob out, but the ladies go back to the trailer uh, in in the immediate aftermath of Brenda's assault at the hands of uh, Jupiter, no, not Jupiter, Jupiter's the father, Pluto and Mars. And they walk in, see what's going on. Mom flips her shit again and gets immediately gets shot in the belly. Yep. Yeah, and then there is an implied uh, attempt at an additional assault of Lynn, the mother of the baby. And uh, as things are going on, Mars has lost one of his knives. Brenda notices it on the floor and is trying to push any advantage because she believes they're all going to be raped and killed, which is entirely logical at this point. Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, And in a moment where uh, Mars and Pluto are distracted yelling at each other, she kicks the knife over to her sister, who immediately plunges it into Mars's leg, and she's double-tapped immediately. Yeah, that was sad. Yeah. For those of you who don't understand, that means she shot twice. In the head. Not just, dink, dink, you silly. Yeah. (laughs) Right. She is is killed physically to death. That's her storyline. Yeah, no kidding. And then the only reason that uh, Brenda doesn't die there, because Mars drags her out and puts a gun to her head, is that he hasn't been counting his bullets. Uh, The gun only had, uh, I guess, three rounds left, and he put one into Mom and two into Brenda. 
And did they shoot any beforehand? Well, he took it. Uh, I'm not sure if that's a gun. That's probably the gun he took off of Bob. Right, and he had already fired it a couple times. Oh yeah, because Bob. Had, okay, and it was yeah, it was Bob a revolver. A load, so and he probably fired three times in the scene at the gas station, and it was probably had six in the uh, yeah. The three fifty seven holds six. So so yeah, it, it the the shots match up. So when he puts the gun to Brenda's head and fires, it just goes click, and he promises, "I'll be back for you later." And they steal off into the night with the baby. I'll be back for you later. The baby and the ammo. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they took a lot of their food and all of their spare bullets. So now the family is in chaos. Yep, to say the least. Yeah. Dad's Mom's ch- dying. Sister is dead. Other sister has just been raped and is uh, freaking out. Dad yeah, is nearly cat. comatose. And then Ross walks into the into the camper and sees the the mayhem and his dead wife and probably loses his shit. He's like, "Hey, where's my twine?" <laughs> And then he notices the missing baby, which actually like gives brings him back to reality a little bit. He's got a bit of a focus now. He's like, nothing else matters. I can't do anything about what's happened here, but I can get my baby back. I can't believe nobody did it. Wow. No, I know what you're talking about. I almost did. I inhaled for it. I got ready for it, but I realized (laughs) we had that pause where I think everybody's thinking, who's going to do it? (laughs) We're not that show. Yeah, anyway, we yes, we're yes, definitely like, that show. Yeah, we are. <laughs> That's why I'm amazed we didn't do it. You should Moving save on. this show, folks. It was an amazing moment of self-control on all of our parts. <laughs> um, we do get a little bit of a look at the camp of the Hill people with, like, the trinkets they've chosen to uh, show as what they liked. They uh, draped Mama in combination of actual jewelry and like weird plastic stuff yeah she shaved her head for this movie mm-hmm. yeah, paid her a thousand dollars to shave her head i would shave my head for a thousand dollars just tossing it out there i would too shave <laughs> my head no shave my head you shave your head every day for free once a week but he would do it on command for a thousand dollars yes <laughs> yeah. or fifty dollars yes <laughs> five dollars it's a i'm gonna be on fiverr I'll shave my head for five yes um, then after we get a little bit of a background, uh, and a clear look at most of the characters aside from Mercury, who we still only see up in the shadows on his walkie talkie, we are introduced to the real hero of the movie, Beast, who has been missing all this time and just starts taking out hill people. I'm never going on any trip ever again without dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the problem is all you have is Yorkies. Live dogs. No, we don't have Yorkies now. We have... <laughs> Uh, schnauzers. Oh, well, that's much better. Oh, yeah. Dude, I will tell you, they're, it's like furry little uh, piranhas. That's what they are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like the little dog in the dark crystal. Yeah. It's a Skeksy or something? What are you talking about? No, no the dog. It's not a dog. Yeah. yeah. Not only does Beast uh, murder the hill people's lookout, just pushing him off a cliff, it knows to grab the radio and deliver it back to the humans. And then they still shoot at it, and they still almost kill it. Yeah. But and the the dog's got to be like, what the hell, man? <laughs> yeah, the dog is like the master tactician of the group. Because it knows about the rabbit. <laughs> uh, See? My old enemy. It, it all, all makes sense. The dog knew about the rabbit. He knows what's down. I did think it was kind of cool how they talked about how Beauty would always whine and bark for no reason, but Beast only would make noise right before he was about to kill. Yeah. And he's barking. So why are you guys so calm? Yeah. 
Yeah. And we first hear him growl right before he takes out Mercury. Yeah. Well, he was barking in the cabin, too, in the uh, in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah, and they all just ignore it. Yeah. He only barks when something dangerous is nearby. Yeah, just like that. <laughs> Thanks for the example. Now shut up. <laughs> oh. Well, you can just go... I don't know any dogs that make that noise. No, I'm making the noise of the thing that you posted in the chat from the oh, Dark okay, Crystal sure. that I've never seen all of. All right, so <laughs> moving on. <laughs> so we're at the, the Hales of Ice camp. Yes. For wayward youths. And Mercury isn't checking in. Right. Uh, mostly because his radio's back at the RV, and the survivors actually are given a little bit of hope because now they can listen in on what the uh, hill people are saying, and they have a good idea that they're coming back and they're going to kill them all because Jupiter's pissed. His instructions were go to the RV and kill them all. Yep. They decide to indulge in a little parodying and rape instead. <laughs> oh, and he took out all of his aggression on the cabinets. Yeah. Yeah. I hate you, cabinets. <laughs> he he hates those cabinets. Stay away from Play those from cabinets. cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, so now they're now the game is on. Jupiter's pissed, sends him out, and this is where they. St- now see, I'm getting my movies confused. Now was a fishing well, line in this one? Oh uh, no, this was the oh, the cable. Okay, yeah. that's right. That's right. They're very identical in a lot of ways. They put their mom out as bait. Yeah, because they have an idea that there's going to be sort of a force back to protect the baby, and uh, they're going to need to take Beast out to find where the baby's being kept to go save it, but they also need to protect themselves. And so uh, Ken and Barbie get to work on protecting the homestead while Ross and the dog go out to rescue the baby. Right. So uh, Ross changes into some sensible pants. Was the, I'm just saying that was the third pair of pants that he's been wearing since. No uh, kidding. Yeah, by now he's almost completely transformed into one of the cops from the sabotage video. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like yeah. First he's wearing those jean shorts, and then he's wearing those tennis shorts, and that's... got more costume changes than Whoopi Goldberg. Wouldn't you if you were running into hillbillies and kept crapping your pants? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's a fair cop. I'll take it. <laughs> Or maybe he's just wearing his sister's pants because he's like, well, now she doesn't need them. Aw, too soon, Pat. <laughs> so uh, Ross goes off to hunt them down. Yeah, Get and back then the baby. Uh, Ken, who is completely incapable of following even the most basic directions, decides to start screwing with the CB and announcing their presence and giving away their defenses in, in a kind of a cool scene where it looks like they actually made contact with the local Air Force base. But it turns out it's just Pluto on the other end getting their their exact location and how many freaking bullets they have left. Fucking with them. Yeah. Uh, I have to say the uh, music of Ross running through the rocks was really cool. I was expecting him to come upon Huggy Bear at any moment. (laughs) (laughs) The music of Ross. Sorry. So, I mean, Ross uh, is watching the group and he sends, he realizes that if there's only a couple of hill people back guarding the baby, that means that there's got to be several of them headed right for the RV. So he sends the dog, who's, as we've established, the real hero of the film, 
uh, back to protect the smart the, one. Yeah, back to protect the worthless humans. <laughs> Just because he doesn't n- have an imposable thumb to work at CB radio, that's why. Yeah. <laughs> uh, by now, I mean, even the hill people like Pluto is uh, calling him the devil dog. Like they know that oh, pretty yeah. much the biggest threat is the dog. Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> Fuck Ross. Watch out for that dog. <clears throat> So in the That's meantime, why the guy at the end of the movie is so surprised that he gets stabbed. He's like, "What? <laughs> the You're dog not even was supposed the dog. to get me." <laughs> and and the, you can even see like the dog flanks them, like steps in behind them when they're headed in towards the trap. I'm telling you, never going anywhere without a dog. Now I'm going to get that Dobiomatic. It's just going to be a big rifle, like from uh, Far Side, that shoots Dobermans. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make that noise. <laughs> uh. Yeah, Joel, your Doberman needs to go to a vet. <laughs> you need to make that noise the next time you and Amy are in bed. <laughs> so uh, now you get to meet... So this is why I'm still single. Yeah. <laughs> you hear that, ladies? Still on the market. Um, so... No, 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 no. <laughs> That's even better than your raptor. Um, <laughs> well, you can just go... <laughs> so do we meet do we meet i forget do we meet rose at this point ruby ruby ruby, ruby. well ruby is sl- still slinking around in the shadows she uh, is very much front and center at the beginning of the movie and then is kind of gone for most of the rest of it uh right until the end i think she's biding her time to see how it's going to turn out before she you know makes her presence known because one way or the other she's trying to get away yeah, right. She and, knows that if they don't beat them, that she's got to stay there with Jupiter. And so she's like, I'm not going to make a move until I know for sure. Yeah. But she is obviously uncomfortable with the idea of the family eating the baby. Yes. Yeah, there's that she's, scene. She's obviously the moderate in the group. <laughs> yes. She's been to Chili. She knows. Uh, you've got that scene where the family is taunting Big Bop's corpse as they're like eating pieces of him. And yeah, she she does not look down with the plan. <clears throat> So she she hatches this plan to steal the baby. And with the help of the dog, they steal a jet. So that's, that's Battlefield Earth, you're thinking. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm really confused there for a moment. So the ambush squad has Jupiter and Pluto. Pluto uh, is ambushed by Beast and ripped to bits. First, uh, his Achilles tendons torn out, and then his throat is torn out. Yep. <clears throat> Pretty graphically. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, that was an interesting series of cuts because it's hard with the budget they had to simulate a dog tearing a human's throat out. Right. So they had a bunch of interesting editing and uh, special effects with body parts covering wound areas to make it look like he just had the thrown, uh, throat ripped out pretty graphically. Yeah. Jim, do we have any of that dead dog left over? <laughs> Bring it over for the shot. So... Uh, <clears throat> Now we have the one of the uh, the exploding uh, trailer idea kick in. They, they well uh, after, base, mom, after mom is the trap. That's yeah, right. Mom is the trap. Basically, Ken and Barbie have this idea they're going to have a lasso right around mom's body, and they're going to hook it up to the car and gun the car without testing whether the car is going to start or not. 
and they don't really have a plan beyond that. They're just going to lasso the guy's leg and see what <laughs> I think happens. They're assuming that if they drag him all the way, that he'll be dead by the time he gets to him. Here's what we do: we put Mama there that well, and we put right. out the lasso, and we fire up the car, and the lasso will get him on the leg and bring him closer. <laughs> <laughs> when did they turn into Justin Wilson? <laughs> I don't know. It's I guarantee. I was really expecting, at that point, I was really kind of expecting a cool rope gets pulled into the wheel along with the bad guy thing. Yeah, but, like, the rope gets caught on something and, like, snaps. No, 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 they ran out of gas. Because remember they had they had they had drained the the tank. Yes, they had they had (laughs) gas powered rope. rope. Yes, (laughs) (laughs) gotta go to the store and get rope fuel. (laughs) So they yeah the car runs out of gas because remember the uh, the first thing they did when they got to the uh, to the trailer was get all the gas out of the tank of the car. That's right. Yeah, uh, Pluto siphons off the gas right at the beginning. Yeah, so he gets the car runs out of gas. He doesn't get pulled in, but now he's closer, and he starts chasing them around. Oh, that you know what I just realized? They're they're geniuses because they're siphoning the gas out that they already sold to him. They take it back to the station, put it back in the tank, sell it to somebody else. They keep selling the same gas. It's a over fucking and over. rabbit, man, mastermind. That rabbit is fucking smart. Yeah, that rabbit's dynamite. <laughs> <laughs> so now they run away from him. Rabbit versus dog. <laughs> run I in, got my money on Devil Dog. Run into the trailer and uh, climb out the back window. While they're in there, they turn on the gas for the two propane tanks that they have in the... Uh, propane oh, accessories. There was propane and propane accessories. I stand yep. corrected. <laughs> they well, there was trap. propane. There was no propane accessories. They rig a trap where they have matches that when he opens the door, it'll light and blow up the trailer with the yeah, which Like I, a little bit of a strike strip near the uh, door. Yeah, which I thought was clever. That was a cool yeah. idea. Uh, goes in there. They run away. It explodes. Well, he realizes that it. He smells the gas. Oh yeah, uh, and it still explodes. It still explodes. He bum bum bum. Guess what? He comes back. A little bit more chasing down. But he had all that hair to protect his face and everything. Right. He was yeah, already. Hair is the perfect defense against fire. Yes. Everyone knows that. <laughs> it's just <laughs> science. Nice plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. <laughs> So, like, all the remaining characters except for Ross, like, gangbang this guy. Oh, yeah. Beat the hell out of him. In the meantime, Ross is still trying to get the baby back. We have the climbing through the rocks, chasing through the through the hills. Uh, now he's being hunted by uh, Jupiter. Was that the dad again? Mars. Mars. He's being hunted by Mars. Yeah, because uh, chasing after he Ruby, died, Ru- uh, Pluto uh, gave the instruction to kill the baby. Right. And Mars goes to do it and finds that uh, Ruby has escaped with the baby and left the pig that we saw in, like, the first scene of the movie in its place. Aw. <laughs> the fairies traded the baby for a pig. It was the old Willow special. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so they trade the baby for a pig. She takes off. He goes after her. Ross shows up, uh, lots of chasing. He stabs him with a snake. No, Ruby stabs him. No, they get into a knife fight, but they each lose their weapons, and Ross's weapon uh, clatters away, and he goes to reach for it, and a snake has has slithered right near where his weapon is. Oh, that's right. He goes. He yeah. He winds up in the. You're down there where they nest. Yeah. He winds up in a rattlesnake nest. Yep. So now that he now that Ross is kind of like holding very still. Uh, he goes after Ruby again. 
to chase after for the baby, who she cleverly hides him, hides the baby in a small crevasse that is right near a rattlesnake hide. Uh, den? Nest? Nest. Yeah, I mean, she might be the brightest bulb in the bunch, but... Yeah, so... Then Ross decides to escape. He climbs out, comes after him, and then Ruby grabs the, grabs a rattlesnake and stabs Mars in the back of the neck with a rattlesnake. She uses it as a weapon. Yeah, literally. calling back on the on the old uh, adage from Conan the Barbarian, throw a stiff snake at him. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Make your snake stiff and throw it at the enemy. Rigid. Yeah, so she yeah, she kind of breaks the stalemate in their fight by using the snake's venom to uh, paralyze her brother. And then we have the kind of Sam Peckinpah ending where Ross is just stabbing Mars to death, uh, completing his revenge and regaining his baby. And like you hear Ruby crying in the background because even though the situation's horrible, Mars is still her brother. Yep. And then you have the like fade to red on the angry face. And cut to credits. Yeah. It ain't unusual to be loved by anyone. That would have been a great ending music. And they, don't, they tried to get that for the ending music, but he wouldn't uh, sell them the rights. I thought it was a Bridge of a River Kwai. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't know. There were, there were some things about this that were really interesting and inventive for the time. I mean, it's tapping into some of those fears. It's like, what happens if we're on a trip and our car breaks down and no one can help us? Well, what's the worst thing that could happen? This. Yeah, cannibals is a pretty good answer. Break your <laughs> axle. Yeah, break your axle and cannibals. This happens to me every time I drive down to Florida. We wind up going through Florida. If anybody out there is from Florala, your town is terrible. I thought you made it up. No, I'm not. It's all the it's the best of Florida and the best of Alabama combined into one. It's Florala. We got a gas station and a fireworks shop. <laughs> we have both kinds. Wow, that sounds delightful. Yeah, and we had interesting tactics from the Hill people. It was 1970s horror, so a lot of it was shock for the sake of shock. But like it was well shot. The acting was a little weak. And even though we're always going on about 70s pacing, this, I think, moved faster than the remake. I think the, the pacing on this, this side was a lot, uh, a lot brisker. Well, and it was, it's a bit shorter than the remake, too. By 15 minutes. Yeah. Mm. Which makes a lot of difference in a, in a film. Yeah. Interesting. I think we're going to disagree a lot in the second half but, of the show, but we'll get to that. It, it, this had 70s pacing to me, in my opinion, but yeah. I mean, it's early Wes Craven. It's good. It, it, it does not age particularly well, uh, as, but that's kind of late 70s, early 80s horror movies. They don't. It had. It was awesome for the budget they had and for the fact that they're blazing a new trail in a direction no one else had. Yeah. I mean, he, well, he, I haven't seen Last House on the Left. I have. I know. Me too. Mm -hmm. It's not really on my list, but I mean, he was definitely going in his own way. He was definitely making, I mean, he, Wes Craven, I guess, was the best way to put it. I hate to say make it trite, but he had his own rules. I mean, he had he had wanted to invent a new genre. And one of the things I love about Wes Craven's films is one of his philosophies is he hates the horror movie where the last girl or whoever it is almost gets away and then the bad guy stands up at the end and that's where there's a cut to. And it was one of the reasons why he didn't much care. And they fought a lot about the ending for Nightmare on Elm Street, which we talked about last week. And I kind of knew that there wasn't going to be any like mutant ra uh, showing up from behind at the last second in this one. Because it's sort of against his philosophy. Mm -hmm. It's too much of a cheap thrill. kind of. Yeah. Yep. So shall we take a break? Yeah. Anyone else have any other impressions about this one? 
I mean, for the most part, I don't, I don't think it's a great movie by any stretch. But I mean, it's, it is what it is. I guess. I mean, this is the second time I've seen it. I didn't catch anything necessarily in the second viewing that I didn't see in the first one. So I don't think there's a whole lot of depth to it or anything. But I mean, it's entertaining. Yeah, there were some subtleties like uh, they didn't focus quite as much in the original on the trinkets that were obviously uh, the gas station owners cut from constantly sending travelers to their death. Right. Um, so there were little bits uh, that suggested a greater story. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, it was an interesting story that had a few pacing problems, a few script problems and a lot of acting problems. Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, but again, it was it was low budget 70s horror, which, you know, the big budget stuff has aged much better than the low budget stuff. But the low budget stuff has its charm. And and like I said, it kind of bridged uh, into new territory that has carried on and is still carrying on today. I mean, it's it's a it's a subgenre to itself. All right. With that, I think we should probably uh, go to a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about the remake from 2006. You don't want to be sending your family down that way? <laughs> of course we do. Ma Silverman's there, you <clears throat> cheating so-and-so. That was the director's cut right there. <laughs> <laughs> and break. Five, four, three, two, one. Welcome back. <laughs> To the Hills Have Eyes episode of 40 Going On 14. I don't know why I decided to put on the sexy voice for that, but <laughs> we're back. This, this is the sexier rape scene. Yes. So. Oh. The silence. And we're on a list. All right. Uh, Hills. Yeah, this was remade in 2006. Yes. Wes Craven produced it again, but we have a new director. Mm-hmm. On- Alexandre Aha. Aha. Uh, who is incidentally Alexander Aja is a French director, one of my personal favorites of the new regime of horror directors. Um, known for I, such things as High Tension is the one that brought him over here in 2003, which is still to this day one of the best looking horror films I've seen. Um, I'm not familiar with that one. It's uh, it's actually the girl that was in the fr- the Fifth Element who played the the blue the the, the silent. Singer? Yeah, she's the one of the main characters. It's about two girls that are friends. And, uh, they go back to her parents' house for a holiday. And then a man breaks in, kills the whole family, captures the girl. And then the other girl goes after her to get her back. It's really, it's, it's, it's a kind of a mind bending thing. It's fantastic. He, he just does got a very visual style that is kind of mirrors with so so. Piranha 3D was a lot of fun. Oh, horns. Says, Piranha 3D is probably what he's best known for aside from the Hills Have Eyes. If you have not seen Horns, though, Phenomenal. Anyway, amazing director. The Kate, Daniel Radcliffe movie? Yeah, Katie yes. keeps asking to see Horns, and I keep telling her no. Yeah, not for kids, but I would recommend it very highly. It's really, really good. <clears throat> All right, so that's Aha. Or Aja. That too. Uh, produced by Wes Craven, Peter Locke, Marianne, and a bunch of other, and Cody Zwieg. Zwieg. Yeah, so. Peter Locke was the guy we were trying to think of who played Mercury in the original. Oh, okay. Well, it's based pretty much word for word from the original Hills Have Eyes. Uh, kind of. I mean, it's... It, you can, if you've seen the first one, you can guess what's going to happen next in this one pretty easily. Yeah, like we won't have to go through a plot by plot, point by point on this one because it's pretty much a direct remake with some slight changes. Mm-hmm. 
starring uh, Aaron Stanford, Kathy Quinlan, Vanessa Shaw, and Emile de Ravin. Oh, uh, she's awesome. Emily de Ravin, if you were ever a fan of Lost, uh, she played the pregnant Australian girl. She's an oh, Australian yeah. actress. She's been in a lot of stuff. Uh, Once Upon a Time. Claire? Or yeah. Emile de Ravin, if you're American. Yeah. Uh, Dan Bird, Robert Joy, and Ted Levine. And, um, <clears throat> well. Yeah, she has a passable American accent in this one. Yeah, she does. For playing a mutant, I didn't realize that was her. Yeah, she she was well. She wasn't playing a mutant. She's playing. No. That's the oh, actress that's who right. played Brenda. That's right. Yeah, she was Sorry. playing the the younger sister girl with the bra on. Barbie, right? Brenda, right? So but I just didn't realize that was the same actress. That's all. Again, we have a family who we like marginally more than the first movie. You forgot well, Billy Drago. Sorry. Why don't you just say, "Hey, Billy Drago, too." Billy Drago plays Jupiter. Why are you? We barely see any of. We don't see Jupiter till the end. Yeah, but anyway, I I know we usually hold to the end uh, to give our impressions, but I'm not going to be able to. My opinion of this is going to be pretty obvious at each point. So I, this movie was widely panned, and I don't understand why. Uh, we were talking before the show about any time we thought that a remake was vastly superior to the original. And this is going to be a controversial opinion, but for me, <clears throat> this remake is overwhelmingly uh, better than the original. It, well, good. It's what I like out of a remake. We've talked about different philosophies on it. It's got all of the elements of the original with updates where appropriate for the difference in time, uh, all the decades that have passed, and the acting was weak in the original. It is overwhelmingly improved. The characterization was flat in the original. Uh, every one of the characters picked up a dimension in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the plot uh, went from very simple and very basic. It maintained the basic structure. Every single one of the plot points were hit, but there was a little bit more backstory given. And I, I don't understand the hate for this remake. Uh, I, I thought it was a direct upgrade in virtually every way. And he made the the uh, Hill people frightening. Because in yeah. the original, they're kind of imposing, but they could have been any biker bar in the country. This was actually something where you feared the characters. And, and that's the thing, is there's something about a horror movie where in the original, the monsters were the interesting characters, but they weren't all that scary because you didn't care about the characters who were being hunted. In this one, they bothered to make the characters enough of people that it actually had a little bit more impact when they died. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, it's not, it's not even a lot. I mean, it's not like they turned the dial from two to 10. I mean, they just turned two to five and gave you enough familiarity with the family that you could identify with them. Right. You're not just identifying them visually. You know something about the relationships between the various characters. Like, you know, that, uh, big Bob and his son-in-law don't get along. And they're from different worlds. And you get more of an impression of Big Bob is uh, such an asshole because he's overcompensating for what a failure he is. So he's dominating everybody in his life. And he has the great voice of Ted Levine. Um, I well, thought I, it sounded I, like Gabby. Uh, I know. Well, I'm born here. Now I'm going to die here. I mean, <laughs> I'm a fan just from the the pedigree it has before it even started. I knew just visually it was going to be amazing and that it was going to be bloody and, and just a lot of fun. But I was, I was kind of of the same mind, Josh. This was kind of when I was so kind of middle ground about remakes. And for me, I watched the original after I watched the remake and I, 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 I agree with you a hundred percent. I think this is 
far and away a much better movie. No offense, Wes Craven. <clears throat> I think that the me. bodies in this movie carried around a lot more blood than a normal <laughs> human being. <laughs> it's. I had a little bit of an issue with the fact that the baby was named Catherine. <laughs> No. Well, she was Katie in the first one too. Yeah, yep. yeah. No one didn't. Didn't for some reason. I mean, again, for some reason it didn't affect me as much in the first one as it did in the second one because she was a prop in the first one. She That's, was barely. Uh, she was like a MacGuffin, a prize. In this one, the baby was even a character. Yeah, yeah. I definitely agree with that. Um, as was the parakeet. There was, one, there was, yeah, there was one scene where they cut to the baby's face, and the baby was the only one that looked scared. It was really funny. Uh, I think it might have been in the first one, but I don't know. So, unusual things that happen in this one that are a little bit off then from the first one. Beginning scene, lab techs are checking out the radiation levels. Great scene. It is a great scene, but here's the thing. Four lab technicians disappear from from the duty that they're supposed to be doing, what they're supposed to be doing. I'm sorry, but there's going to be cops, people. I mean, once they get there and find blood all over the place and the body trails being drug off by the truck that they had, there's, I mean, you don't, they don't just go, oh, well, Frank, Tom, and Jerry, uh, they didn't come back. I guess they went on their uh, five-day weekend or something like that. Watch the sequel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's addressed. That is, in yeah. The, directly yeah. in the sequel? Uh, kind the, of, yeah. Okay. The, yeah. The uh, the sequel, The Hills Have Eyes Two, actually deals with the fact that the National Guard comes out to find that, yeah, government people have been disappearing. Okay. Right. And it all deals with the National Guard versus, well, the the dumber National <clears throat> Guard people, not the good ones, versus the the Hill people mutants. Cool. Yeah, and also like the mutants, their story reminded me a lot of like the Fallout games and anything that has to do with like uh the like terror of like nuclear war. Like Borderlands. Yeah. Um okay, so some of the things I another thing that I well another thing that I uh thought about this one is the old man at the gas station, he's a dick. In the first one he's like, Oh, don't be going down there. And this one he's like, Hey, just go down that way. But he wasn't take that way left. until no, he was that way because it was he got that bag of goodies and he was just kind of like, oh well, I guess I'm going to keep doing this. He wasn't. I mean, his his effort to escape wasn't exactly full wholehearted. No, he originally wasn't going to, but when the girl saw the bag of goodies, that's when he realized he didn't have a choice because he figured she yep. knew what was going on, and so he had to do something. And he was covering himself. Hmm. Yeah, so he could make his getaway. He had a motive. Unfortunately, <laughs> and I don't think he he regretted it. I think when he noticed they had an infant with them, but he'd already sent them down the road. He can't just back up and say, "Oh, I was sending you to your death." Sorry, don't go that way. <laughs> Turn around, head the other way. <laughs> well, we also learn right away that the that the the mutants aren't like they were in the original because they don't really talk so much as not not they communicate differently. Let's put it that way. They're not. Well, quite and it's a big reveal how they're being organized in this one. Uh, the character of Big Brain, eventually you, you encounter him real late in the movie and he looks just like a helpless slug, even though he's got better powers of speech than most of the rest of them. He's the one planning every he's the rabbit in this one. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's true. He is. He's he's <clears throat> the uh, the, the big brain. <laughs> yeah, he's the mastermind. <laughs> Check out the big brain on big brain. Yeah, don't what, get me wrong. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, one of the things that I didn't like about this movie versus the other one was it was just much harder to distinguish between the, the members and who was who and what their role was. Like the guy with the, the neck brace thing, he, it was never really explained who he was or what was going on with him. That was played by Greg Nicotero, incidentally. That was Satellite, I believe was his name. Yeah, but I'm just saying like it was never really – I mean he just appeared and then appeared again and then he died. Uh, Sist was his name. I'm sorry. 
Uh, he was the one that was a little underdeveloped, but all the rest of them, like uh, Lizard had the spike strips all over him yeah. in yeah. the final scene. So you kind of understood his role in trapping people. Uh, Mama just kind of disappears in this one, like yeah. after knocking out uh, – I want to call him Ross, but he wasn't Ross in this one. He was he was a character of his, all of his own. Doug. Doug. Aaron yeah. Stanford. And I just thought that the extra time that they spent in establishing the characters' relationships in a, a small characterization was time well spent, as well as doing a lot more of the show don't tell. Well, and I have to say that Pluto was a lot more menacing in this. That was a dad guy, right? Wait, or am I thinking of Wait. Jupiter? Wait. No, yeah, Pluto, Pluto, who carried around the big axe and was just freaking ginormous. Yeah, Pluto was uh, the same character, basically, as Michael Berryman from the original, although he was a lot more misshapen in this one, and he, like, kills the guys uh, in the opening scene, and he, he, in a lot of ways, is the big physical threat. Right. Mm -hmm. The guy that can lift a body that is stuck with a pickaxe just by holding the pickaxe handle. That's a strong dude. Yeah. Yeah. Unlike Uh, Goggle, who's just kind of insane. But even he was like way more menacing with his kind of like gaunt man appearance and his creepy hat always standing in the shadows. And his kind of disjointed movements, like where they had that scene where he's on the rock eating and he's like, (laughs) and he goes right back to eating. It's like weird kind of. It's freaky. Yeah, I, and I thought it was really interesting the way they had all of the characters. Ruby's uh, humanization, she just wasn't like a random sort of dirty girl that doesn't fit in with the family. She had her mutant like appearance, but she was less horrific than the rest of them and obviously had a lot more heart. If I'm going to take issue with anything, uh, I would have preferred they handled the ending without her doing a sort of out of nowhere self sacrifice. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes and no. I mean, I kind of, you kind of see it coming, but her whole goal for the entire thing was to, uh, escape, escape and save the baby. Right. Well, and she even protected Bobby. Like she stood, uh, in a particular spot so Goggle wouldn't see Bobby when he was knocked out. Right. So uh, was did they say that Gramps was in the war? What what was the the reason? Was he military? What was he? Was he still a cop in this one? Who the the uh, dad? The Big Bob. Big he Bob. was go- yeah. He was a retired. Uh, he was going to be a private eye. Is what he was going to open his own detective agency. But yeah, I think he was still a retired cop. Okay. Again with that whole gun thing. This is another issue I have with when he's back, goes back to the gas station and uh, I, don't, I don't know, is it uh, Goggles or whoever it is that's going, Daddy. Jupiter, isn't Jupiter. it? Daddy. I would assume it was Jupiter. Yeah. I, I would assume it's Jupiter, even though we don't see Jupiter completely until the end. Well, <clears throat> he's, um, if he's a cop, the first thing you do is not fire at the darkness blindly shoot yeah you. let's let's you have a revolver you've got this x amount of bullets you don't just start randomly shooting everywhere i mean i think that is kind of like it kind of took me out a little bit because you, you do know that he, you know he's got these guns that he's there stashed in the glove compartment he's bringing them with he talks about having control over the gun this is my thing i got we got our guns i'm licensed to hold, carry these guns blah 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 but first thing spooks me with all this going around i'm gonna start firing all over the place 
I think that's consistent with his character being overcompensating. You think? Like uh, the way he talks to his whole family and especially the way he talks to Doug, uh, like he seems like a guy who has a big mouth and can't back it up. And he wants to project this image of I'm this badass cop. But when the shit hits the fan, he's firing wildly scared into the darkness. Well, but at that point, had the gas station attendant already shot himself? Uh, no. Well, yeah, actually yeah. that happened right after the, ga- the, uh, uh, Gabby, Gabby, uh, syphilis, uh, did that. So at that point, I mean, he's kind of realized that something's wrong and there's nobody else out there. So maybe his logic was maybe a little bit more, there was a little bit more logic there. It's still dumb. Don't yeah, get me he's, wrong. But. He's rattled from having seen a guy blow his own head off. And then he kind of, I think in that moment thinks that the dangerous past, it's like, this was really fucked up what happened. But then he starts hearing daddy from the darkness. And I honestly think he was a guy who was overcompensating for his own failures. Hmm. And that's the reason he just starts blind firing. All right. Yeah, it was definitely every time they all fired into the darkness, it was driving me crazy. I'm like, stop. (laughs) (laughs) You've only got six gun bullets in that six shooter. Yeah. And that and that's another thing is like like Bobby shouldn't have guns. Just that's that's true. Bobby when he's sh- running away and firing behind him, I was going insane. Oh, I knew you would be bugged by that. <laughs> it was kind of dumb. I agree. It's like you had a clear shot at him when you were both standing still. Would you wait until you run away to fire behind you? Like just oh. like when when mom disappears or when they and near the end yeah. where they take yeah. yeah they take uh he takes the body out of the out of the truck and he's sitting there eating and he's got the gun and the guy's back is to him. Yeah, you got the clear shot right there and he waits until he calls attention to himself. Yeah, and, and then running away to start firing in the meantime you know yeah you got a bird and you got the rabbit but you didn't get him so yeah that that kind of and now granted yes he's a kid he could freak out but if they've put together this whole plan to kill him wouldn't you think he would be like well oh my he's got his back to me i could kill him. but then all that work that we put into this plan would just be wasted so i should let him catch me mm-hmm. so I, I don't necessarily think that that's a this happened because plot. I mean, there's there's a lot of people who talk about it's one thing to do target shooting and another thing to, like, not lose your shit when there's actually someone trying to kill you. And this kid is obviously not a trained combatant. True. Although he thinks he is. Yeah. So dad's death in this versus the original. Ooh, same, yeah. same format, but <clears throat> bad CGI. Oh, I thought it was fine. Uh, the darkness covers a lot of the sins. Yeah, it, yeah. That, that was the main thing. If, if it had been more more light to it, it would have looked really bad. But it was obviously superimposed fire, but it, it wasn't so bad that it took me out of the movie. Well, I mean, in the first one, it was just him standing a little bit behind the fire, too. So, I mean, it's not like... Right. But, uh, nah. It, it's really the only complaint I have about it was that it just looked a little bit wonky. But that that's my really only complaint with the... Uh, I thought the the creatures were more menacing. The acting was better. H- holes in the script were patched. You had the awesome, creepy, abandoned village uh, for the testing, the nuclear testing site. Oh, yeah, that, with all the mannequins. We talk, yeah, we need to talk about that section. And the, and the craters, too, were pretty cool. Yeah, and just the whole story of how they came to be, where you've got these miners who refuse to leave their land, and the U.S. is like, well, fuck it, we're doing nuclear testing here anyway. And they just dropped bombs on them, and those that survived had kids, and the kids were all messed up. Now, in the opening credits, all the little mutant children, all the ones that those were not effects. Yep. Although it looked like they did an awful lot of taking an already horrid photo and superimposing a mirror image onto it. 
They did that with a couple of them, but a lot of those images of the deformed babies were from uh, people who had been exposed to Agent Orange. Huh. Yeah. I did find that. I found that out in digging through the trivia. Oh, the trivia. Let's do some of that. Oh, yeah. Before we get talking about the creepy village. uh, The gas station was built on location in Morocco. And apparently in Morocco, uh, giant uh, glass bottle Christmas trees out front signal that that is a gas station. And they would have people pull up to buy gas. (laughs) You you sell gas? Uh, No, we don't sell. You sell gas? Almost all of Ted Levine's actions and lines were improv. How far to Dead Dog Store? (laughs) It's... Uh, Wes Craven and Peter Locke originally wanted the film in the new version to be in the exact same desert location as in 1977, but when they got there, they had found out that there had been condominiums built on top of it. (laughs) (laughs) Which changes the whole thing to, you know, the, uh, what else would have eyes if you're in condominiums? The yuppies have eyes. There you go. (laughs) You say the balconies have eyes. Yeah. Oh. And uh, the making of featurette on the DVD indicates that at some point during production, Papa Jupiter was going to have a parasitic twin, a la, uh, what's his name, from... Uh, oh, Aquato? Uh, Aquato, yeah. Yeah, they were going to do Aquato, so he was actually one of the only mutants that, without any apparent <clears throat> mutation. Open your mind. Yeah, he, he looks kind of like he's just got a beard and he's kind of got funky eyes so what did you what did you want to say about the town joel well just it's it's a sequence that really doesn't exist in the original and the whole the whole thing from start to finish it's one of my favorite parts of the movie because you know doug's on his own he still hasn't quite beefed up to the point where he's gonna be kind of the badass that he sort of becomes so he's kind of finding his way but it's a really intense sequence because not only do you have the mannequins everywhere got this burned out village you don't know where the mutants are or if they're even in the 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 city somewhere he just knows that or the little town he just knows that his baby's there somewhere yeah and when he comes across the big brain and they have that conversation and he's just totally playing him and just the whole sequence until all of a sudden you know here comes uh pluto to start fucking shit up and it just goes sideways and just the whole thing just was very i thought it was very well done i really like well one thing that i did notice during that whole scene with uh with pluto chasing after him with that huge ass axe was the music in this while it was pretty much absent in the first one, this one really did. I mean, it, it did a good job of setting the setting the emotion of what's going on around there. That kind of uh, yeah, uh, yeah. That kind of and then the, when the chase goes on, there was a lot of really good, really good music going along with this. I actually enjoyed the soundtrack. That's a lot. It it carried you pretty well through the whole thing. Um, the whole fight in the house was fantastic. I mean, it was a, a great mix of the guy getting out of the way just in time and then random luck mm-hmm. in that also. And then he gets a hold of the uh, flag plus two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, flag plus two against mutants. So he gets that and then he gets the Vorpal Axe because after that he's almost nigh unstoppable. Well, he's been beat to hell too. Like he took some really good hits for a little cell phone salesman. Yeah. Plus, he took out Cyst and Big Brain, and well, he didn't take out Big Brain. Uh, Beast, Beast took out Big yeah. Brain. Oh, that's right. Big Beast came back. And well, they ended up taking thing. out Mother. Anybody? Uh, no, I actually think that uh, Mother, uh, Mama, probably escaped with the twist at the end. Yeah, I mean, it could well be that uh, Mama picked up Goggles' uh, uh, binoculars, and that's who it was you were looking, who was watching them at the end. Yeah, at the right. very end. 
So yeah, so you've got that going on. And um, one thing I have to say, Big Brain sings a better national anthem than Roseanne. <laughs> that- uh, one thing that did bug me a little bit is you've got, they sort of kept the planet's theme with two of the characters. You've still got Jupiter and Pluto, and you've still got Ruby retaining her uh, original name. And then they kind of decided to go more of a Hellraiser. We're going to name all the other mutants based on something to do with their... Way of killing people. Way of killing people or their deformity or both. And I just kind of felt like they should have either renamed all of the characters or none of them. Like, stuck with the planets. Well, maybe there were, you know, they had like four more that were named after planets, but then they died. Well, maybe. And and considering Wes Craven and what you talked about earlier, with him not planning a sequel, he could have a limited number of characters with all the planets. Whereas this one... They really lead you to believe that there's a whole civilization almost of mutants or at least a lot bigger number than in the original. So they would have run out of planets. Mm-hmm. I suppose that's fair. And like when you get into the sequel, which I have not seen, but I know a bit about. I own it. Uh, I do know that they get into another family. Hmm. And apparently there's a comic book that links the two of them and shows what happened before the first one. Yeah, there's a graphic novel that uh, you can get access to on the second one, which... Uh, is, is a lot more, it's a dumbed down a little bit and it's a lot more kind of over the top if that's possible, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun for a sequel. Anyway, so back to, um, what else was there in the original or in the remake that was different aside from the ending? Um, the trap that they set, uh, with the pieces that were brought from the town was just a warning system, not this weird half thought out trap the leg. Yeah. It's a minor difference, but it was more in keeping with their capabilities. Yeah, that's true. It's, and you know what? It kind of, he, Wes Craven kind of likes the, uh, whole, like at the end of, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Let's wire up the house with exploding light bulbs. Let's put some sort of like a team type thing together to, uh, <laughs> right. you know, to help, uh, beat, beat the bad guys. Um, I do have to say setting the tire on fire was a cool idea for a, for a, um, uh, like a signal. Cause when the, the, the uh, sister comes out there, puts the letter fluid all over the tire, because that sucker's gonna burn forever. And it's gonna burn black. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was actually, I, I thought was when that, when she did that, I was like, that's actually really, it's really smart. Um, and then but actually. She got bitched at by her brother. Yeah. So, but again, then again, everybody was, uh, kind of bitching at each other. Yeah. Um, the fishing fishing wire thing was pretty cool. I did like that. And when they the thing when it, the uh, trailer explodes, just like in the in the first one, when they cut to Bobby and uh, his sister hiding over in the rocks, the look on Bobby's face has this whole "damn it worked" look on his face, which I thought was pretty cool. Don't know if you noticed that. But as Josh said several times, you know, I, and I totally agree with him. The acting was much better in this movie than the first one. Yeah, this probably isn't going to crack my top ten of horror films, but this is one I'd watch again. Like, I am a fan, and the original one, I appreciate its place in early horror history, that late 1970s low budget. But, you know, I've seen it now. I probably don't need to see it again. This one I'll probably watch again. I agree with all that, yeah. He agrees. Um, gosh, it seems like there was something else that was later on. Um, we didn't learn the difference between let's eat mom and let's eat mom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that too. Well, um, hmm. uh, the dog was, uh, not hype, supernaturally intelligent in this one. Uh, beast was still an effective killer, but like, uh, he tore, uh, goggles to bits and goggles is kind of the analog for mercury in this one. 
instead of knowing to take uh, just drag back the radio, that's more of a uh, beast happened to walk back to camp gnawing on the arm, which had the radio still attached to the hand. Mm-hmm. Well, there was the, oh the 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 trailer sequence when all the assaults are happening. That one kind of ratcheted things up to a weird level too, especially when he eats the canary and he rips the head off and then squeezes the juices into his mouth. Oh, yeah, and he also had the weird, like, gun-to-the-head-of-the-baby-forced-breastfeeding scene. See, yeah. that is the point where I turned it off the first time. <laughs> That's where I'm kind of like, it was the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch this movie. This That, I was, yeah, horror movie, kind of making sense, same as the first one, da 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 All right, you know what, I'm, I'm out for right now. <laughs> I'm going to have to regroup and come back to this, because that got that got weird. Yeah, just a little um, bit. I almost was ready to see Bobby get uh, shanked by uh, the fact that his pants fell down. <laughs> Sorry, no. I why, after, why don't I remember that? What are you no, because yeah, because it's after he after his he go, walks up to uh, whoever's eating mom and uh, just a blind firing behind him, running away, and then he trips and falls, and his pants, like his ass, is like all the way out of the back of his pants because because <laughs> his. I guess his, I didn't notice that. Well, I mean, that's, I got it. I was just like, God damn it. If you die because your pants fall down, I'm going to be kind of pissed at you. <laughs> I'll kill you myself. Why are you staring at the boy ass? Because we're already flat. Why weren't you? That's the better question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, flat trick. So I'm disappointed in myself a little bit. Now you know how we feel. <laughs> so basically the rest of the movie plays out very similar to the original other than the very last sequence, like the very end. Right. They, they actually show a little bit past the end. They don't have the weird fade to red Sam Peck and pa ending. Yeah. Yeah. Just suddenly, okay, well we're done here. <laughs> nope. Everybody's got the closure they need. We're out. And, that's a wrap. Yeah. And I guess that's a choice you can make. You could say, well, what happens to the survivors after that? It's not interesting. We, we've seen what matters. But I don't know. It just didn't feel. There just um, needs to be a little bit of giving the audience a second to take a breath and go, ah, okay, they won. Yeah, I agree. So you can't, you can't build up all this tension and have all this mayhem and have everything and then just boom. Okay, we're done. <laughs> Well, in this one, you know, as they, they kill the last of the mutants or so they think, and they're all, you know, kind of like thinking, well, maybe it's over. All of a sudden you cut to first person perspective where it zooms into the goggle or a pair of like binoculars that have a green tint to them, like a military type binoculars or something. Night and vision. S- see somebody staring at them from a, one of the, uh, hilltops in the distance watching them through the, the binoculars and then, you know, cut to credits indicating that it's not over yet. Yeah. And sets it up for the sequel purposefully. Yeah. But again, it's like I I like uh, I think it was Josh. You said it was probably mom. Mom gets away. Well, I don't know that that's necessarily the decision they made. But had there not been a sequel, that's definitely an interpretation. Yeah. Well, and in the sequel, they get further into it. Start uh, the first half of the movie takes place outside where the 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 this, um, army people are you know trying to figure out what's going on and are investigating. And then the the, the second half takes place underground in their dwelling. Like their catacombs? Kind of, yeah. And it, and it kind of goes much deeper into that. And it talks about how they continue the family on by kidnapping women that come through. And rather than kill them, they use them as breeders. Ugh. And it, uh, yeah, it gets kind of rapey. Yeah, I don't think I'll be watching that. <laughs> yeah, if you want to see mutants raping, there you go. So, uh, who doesn't? <laughs> right? No. And we're here. No. So, round, round robin, who like number one versus remake? 
Josh? Well, definitely. I liked the first one, but my thumbs up is very kind of, okay, yeah, I guess, where I am uh, enthusiastic about the remake. Pat, how about you? Uh, the first one, I kind of nothing. I don't really <laughs> like or hate it. It's just kind of there. And the second one was enjoyable. I, I liked it. Okay. Joel? I'm going to go somewhere between Pat and Josh and say I kind of nothing did as well. However, I give it credit for what it was and the fact that Wes Craven did something different. So, I mean, I would give it a thumbs up based on those things alone. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the sequel, as I made clear a little earlier, I, I'm a big fan of and uh, I'm glad we finally got around to watch it as a, as a group. Uh, Me? Hated them both. Never going to watch them again. Oh, whoa. I wow. did not see that coming. Are yeah. you serious? I'm serious. Is, <laughs> yeah, he's serious. I'm serious. <laughs> this is this is just I mean, I like I like horror movies. I like I like monster movies. I like supernatural horror movies. I like that. This is not my cup of tea. This is not the kind of movie. I mean, I respect, you know, like I said, I like the soundtrack. I like the fact that, you know, they may actually made some character uh, dimensions in the, in the remake and all that. But, this but he's, is, not a, he's not a torture, murder, porn kind of this guy. This is not my kind of horror, and I only watched it because I love you, Joel. <laughs> but, but, I, I, it wasn't all me. No, but, no, no. Okay. I mean, no. I mean, because, no, this is, I mean, the you you were enthusiastic about these two when we were talking about I actually about think uh, it was your brother, Matthew, who suggested this. So. Well, fuck <laughs> <laughs> he watched it after Robo. this is one of our earliest suggestions for an october show really we've been putting this off for almost two years okay well but, that take i I, res- I rescind my previous statement fuck you joel no, I, <laughs> no. no uh but no and this is this is just not my kind of horror movie i i like lost boys i like uh I like scream i enjoyed scream i like that one i mean uh it, this is not my favorite type of movie yeah, so there you go. this cool. is about as far as i can go like when you go all into like the eli roth uh hostel stuff yeah uh that's too far this this is my line i tried to watch hostel because i heard i'm like oh it's so scared yeah it's not once again not my thing i've lost how count how many times i've seen that yeah it's no I, joke I, I, hostel is yeah, yeah. nothing <laughs> I know Eli Roth is doing another one. I don't have a whole lot of interest in seeing it. Uh, I like The Descent, but like the... Wait, what are we talking about? There's The third hostel was not his and The Descent... No, no, no. I'm talking about Eli Roth's newest uh, project. I can't... It's a remake of Cannibal Holocaust. It's not a remake. It's it's his kind of variation on it. The Green Inferno. Reinterpretations, probably. Um, The Green Inferno and then Knock Knock, which is a remake, uh, comes out this week. Green Inferno is already out, came out two weeks ago yeah yeah i'm a fan of eli roth so you can you can have him (laughs) i'm not alone all yours man i'm not alone now see he did clown i might be no he well he produced it yeah yeah i might be down for watching that because that's you know kind of messed up but then again it's clown so i'll probably freak out and flip out yeah i would put i would put those on the far end of the gore and then you've got the tier that i would put the hills have eyes and like the devil's rejects like below that in the realm where i can handle them see the devil's rejects to me is and and rob zombie and i that's that's my wheelhouse that one is far more intense and far worse as far as the the stuff that happens in it than the hills have eyes 
because it's more real. Sure, but it doesn't go full on just like shock value. Yeah, which uh, there's there's still a story going on in the Rob Zombie stuff, which is why I put it on par with The Hills Have Eyes and not all the way over into Green Inferno and Hostel. You guys are interesting. That's why we hang out, man. Exactly. I now love it. next right. week we're getting to something I like: the goofy horror. Uh, Scream, 1996. Yeah, there's a whole Scream franchise. So in order to make sure that the next week's show isn't four hours, we're going to focus on the original Scream, which, as Mike said, was older than most people might think from yeah. the late 90s. Came and out then, the year that we got married. Aww, you and Josh got married? Yeah. <laughs> you didn't know? Suzanne explains so much. <laughs> Um, and Sarah, then Sarah just will be like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. And then we're going to take a look at Scream 4 from 2011. And if we have time, we're going to probably lightly touch on Scream the TV series from this year. Yep. Just to at least give it some acknowledgement. And, uh, uh, actually, real quick here, one of the things, uh, interesting about this is that the two other movies we talked about for Wes Craven, only one was directed by him. In this instance, one and four were both directed by him. So we'll see how oh. things progress between the timeline between 96 and 2011. This right. is exciting to me because I saw the first three screams, but I did not see four. Oh, yeah, I have not seen I've four. only seen the first. Yeah. I'm, oh. I've seen one and two. So, I have all uh, four upstairs. We'll see how that comes out. So, uh, <laughs> next week, scream. And uh, if, like we said before, if you guys would like to uh, check our uh, backlog, you can find us on iTunes, filling up little by little as I uh, bring in the old shows, Blueberry and Stitcher. Uh, TalkShoe has our entire catalog up there, so if you want to jump over there, you can download those. And if you have any ideas for shows, uh, want to call and give us some comments, be nice to us, show Charlie what that means, uh, you can call us at 708-NOW-RAP, that's 708-669-9727, and uh, email us at 40 14 at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. You don't want to be taking your... No, I did that in the last one. What's this, What's this one going to be? What do you mean? Daddy. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Oh, boy. I'm going to go sleep on the roof now. no, 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 You are now leading the world of Musings of a Geek Podcast Network. Stay geeky, my friends. That makes three of us. I'd rather be backed up on John Farm. Who John wouldn't? Farm will back it up. <laughs> he loved John Wick too. You gotta he call. Will back that ass up. Yeah, you gotta go and say, hey, give me a good tractor in John Farm. <laughs> what? In a trade, I will help your Farmville 2 game. Oh, John Farm.